Welcome to the City of Hope Church podcast. My name is Jeremy Baker. I am the administrative pastor here at the church, and with me is Clay Bishop, the lead pastor. And we're extremely excited about this new series of episodes that is going to extend uh, really into December. And it's going to follow our fall small groups. And this time around, as small groups, as a, a corporate body, we're going to be following along together and going through a book called Kingdom Values by John Tyson and Susie Silk. And this book is a great resource uh, to launch us into some great discussion. Uh, It builds off of five different values that we're going to go into in great detail in the weeks to come. Uh, But we just wanted to welcome you, whether you are a member of our church and in a small group, or if you're not a member of our church, we still invite you into this process with us as well. Now, to get started, before we dive in uh, to the details I just want to give you a breakdown of how this is going to be laid out. So again, uh, this book is going to cover five values, and really we're going to spend about three weeks per value. So it's broken into gospel, identity, community, mission, and power. So the first two weeks of each value, we're going to talk about the chapter itself. uh, And then the third week, we're going to uh, spend some time and reflect. We're going to open things up for discussion and questions, talk about things as they pertain to us, particularly as a church and as a community, uh, and and go from there. And so, again, this is a a book, but it's also a wonderful resource, uh, not in that it just provides a lot of great content, but the the layout of the book, uh, the model of the book is is really great. And so, for example, each chapter has uh, tons of great information, but it also has at the end of each chapter um, some assessments that we can take, uh, some growth suggestions. It even offers... um, a reflection time at the end of each chapter where you can reflect on a certain uh, scripture for a little bit there. And, and so it's really set up for a, a really a holistic experience. So we're, we're reading, we're learning uh, and growing together, but we're also able to apply these uh, truths to our life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Was that a good introduction, Clay? No, that's good. Good introdu- introduction. I like that. So, I mean, I guess we head right on into the to the meat and potatoes. You want to as far as as far as the book goes? Yeah, for sure. So, the first chapter and the first value that we're going to build on is called gospel. Yeah, and it, you know, he opens up the book, and and I think this is one of the main things is that um, one he has a quote there, and it talks about there's four fundamental questions of life, origin. How did I come into being? Meaning, what brings life meaning? Morality, how do I know right from wrong? And destiny, where am I headed after I die? And the truth is, the world uh, has a million different philosophies. There's all kinds of different religions. And nowadays, there's just a lot of secular thought that are being taught to our kids in universities, etc. And uh, and uh, honestly, all of us are getting fed a lot of different things and we mix a lot of it together without even knowing sometimes and how we would answer those questions would be different but I think one of the things that they're trying to lay out in the book is that the world and different ideas are offering you some form of good news they're offering you some some way to find your identity 
some some measure of what it means to be in community and what is your mission in life and how do you find strength or how do you find power to get through life and so what we want to do is is get a world view that is that is biblically grounded because we have so many competing worldviews and even diverse religions uh, that are constantly coming at us with with all of those types of things and different ideas so uh, you know, scripture says, and he, he, he quotes that scripture, there's a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to death. And so Jesus said, look, narrow is the way that leads to life, and, and few there are going to be that find it. And so when we're going through this and we're talking about gospel, uh, identity, community, mission, and power, all these things, really what we're saying is what do we what do we believe? Can we articulate what we believe? Can we measure it up against everything else that the world is offering us? And, and, and what does it mean to truly be a follower of Christ in our world today? Uh, it's important, I think, that we know what we believe in, that we can articulate what we believe. And so that's some of the stuff that we're going we're gonna to go through. Um, he says, you know, in the beginning here, that only 17% of Christians who consider their faith important and attend church regularly actually have a biblical worldview according to a Barna study. And that's crazy if you think about it, mm-hmm. because you've got people who say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Faith's important to me. I go to church on Sundays, but only 17% of those people have what you would consider a biblical worldview. That means that maybe it could mean a lot of different things. It means that maybe they don't know scripture for themselves. Maybe when they're involved in church, they're hearing uh, messages preached that don't really get to the root of what they believe. Maybe it's feel-good sermons. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It could be a, a multiple different things, but the idea is that as we're we're getting in small groups, we want to have community and fellowship, eat together, et cetera, have fun, get to know one another. But we also have to continually find find means of becoming true disciples and getting getting the truth of God's word in us, so that we're not tossed to and fro with every idea that's going on in the world and so the first core value that he starts out with i think is is the right one and that's just that's just the gospel so um you know what is what does that mean to you jeremy i mean when you think about gospel yeah so to be honest with you and i and if i'm not mistaken he mentions this in there when when i think gospel at least up until you know i really started to mature in my faith really to me it was basically um, I associated it with Jesus for sure, but it was more so like just a means to get to heaven. Yeah, it was you know Jesus died for you, great, um, and then you know pray a prayer, accept Jesus, and then you get to go to heaven when you die. What I failed to understand for the longest time was really how holistic uh, the gospel message is and how it should affect every single aspect of your life. And, and my understanding uh, back then was just basically surface level. Uh, it, it had no deep roots. I had no solid foundation. And so what happens then is, like he says here in the book, is that you basically have, you know, when you, when you look at that study, there's another statistic in there that says 60% of Americans who identify as Christians don't regularly attend church, like you said, but also pray or even read their Bibles. And so basically you have a whole lot of people who um, call themselves Christians, but their lives look like the rest of the world. And for a spell in my life as a teenager, I would have told you that I was a Christian. Um, But, 
my life really looked nothing like what a true follower of Jesus should look like. My life just looked like everyone else's. And so for me, it the gospel, the, the good news, and that's what the gospel is. Um, it is the good news. It's the announcement of good news. And matter of fact, he talks about here how the gospel in those days was essentially a message of victory that caused joy. In yeah. particular, the gospel message of the Bible is, is Jesus and what he did on the cross uh, and through his resurrection, how that brought victory uh, for us. Um, but that's it's, it's so much more than just that head knowledge of that. It's, it's how does that affect well, every single area of my life. And I think you hit a, hit a really good point is, is for me, the gospel or be, you know, you know that it's about Jesus. Um, and then growing up, I think in, in America, I know growing up, if you'd asked me if I was saved, absolutely. And the question is then what does saved really mean? And I think the majority of American Christians, especially perhaps younger Christians, uh, see being saved as simply, well, I went to a church service or, or something or another. Maybe when I was a kid, I went to a youth camp or something, and they gave an altar call, and I went up and I said the sinner's prayer, and and I'm saved. And this became so real to me because I remember as a kid believing that I was saved because I had said a sinner's prayer, and and then and then not that you can't be saved that way obviously but 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 what what happened with me was uh, and i think that's what people think is that salvation is somehow this transaction mm-hmm. where it's just a contract hey okay i say this prayer god saves me now i just go through life but when i die i get to go to heaven and not hell and that's that's really maybe even only a, a tenth of a percent of what salvation really is and what the gospel really is. I remember when I when I first got saved and really experienced a conversion and the power of the Holy Spirit came into my life and God just set me free from a lot of addictions and stuff. I went to a couple of my buddies and I start sharing with them what God had done in my life and and just and just you know how I was transformed and and that we couldn't continue to live like this and God wanted them to to be saved and I remember them looking at me just like dumbfounded and they said, "Well, man, we're saved." And my, my question, my immediate response was, what from? Mm-hmm. What, what, have we, what, what have we been saved from? We cannot believe this lie. And at that point, I was passionate about it because I realized they, like me, were deceived mm-hmm. into believing they had received something because they said a sinner's prayer, but, but we're st- we're nothing in our lives glorified God. We were terrible. Uh, just in our behavior and our actions and our thought and the way we lived our lives. And we had didn't have a thought during the day about, about God or Jesus or what would glorify or honor him. We were, you know, we were chasing drugs and sex and different things like that. But I think that's the point is, is what are we legitimately saved from and what, what does that mean? Uh, because he does come to save us. Jesus is victory. It's, a, it's an announcement. The gospel is an announcement of the good news that Jesus has come and he has defeated sin, Satan, death, and hell. And, you know, he talks about that word um, gospel, euangelion in the, in the Greek, and it's used a ton of times. It's the word we get evangelism from and because evangelism means to go out and proclaim the good news. So when we talk about evangelizing, we're talking about proclaiming the good news. Um, 
and that was something you know I've, I think I've preached it before. But if you if you study history, you find out that Caesar Augustus, who was the Roman Empire, emperor during that time, that they worshipped him as God. Essentially, they called him uh, the Lord and Savior, the 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 bringer of peace. And so, when the emperor accomplished anything noteworthy, they would call it euangelion and and it, they would say this is the gospel this is the good news our lord and savior caesar augustus has won the battle well see jesus shows up into that scene and says no i'm the real lord and savior this is the true good news that's a false good news and the peace that i bring is different because they the, they were called the they called it the pax romana they would be the bringer of peace but they did it through warfare bloodshed so that, that that's how they 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 brought peace jesus brought peace in an opposite way he laid down his life rather than taking life Mm -hmm. and uh so there are there's all kinds of false false news and i mean maybe you even have an idea of like some false news that you've experienced uh in your life i know i know there's you know i think there's things in my life that i've believed and thought well this is this is going to be the answer this is going to be my good news right here yeah but it wasn't and i think uh sometimes What's dangerous uh, for us as, as human beings and as Christians is, we, and I think we do this unintentionally and we don't even realize it's happening, but by not having strong biblical knowledge, by not having deep roots, what we do is we have pieces of the biblical gospel. And then we hear all these other things, like how you can achieve success and how you can find happiness and you, know, you fill yeah. in the blank. And what we do is we integrate those pieces of false gospels into this gospel of our own. And so a lot of times we think we're, you know, following the Jesus of the Bible. But mm-hmm. really we, what we have is kind of our own man-made idea of what our good news is. And we may not, you know, say, obviously we don't think it's a false gospel, but but really it takes a lot of self-evaluation and that and that's one of the one of the parts they stress here is you know as you're going through this chapter as you get to the end of it as you hear all these things i think it's important for us to take this very seriously and thoughtfully um because what happens well i just want to read this this part real quick um it says here on page 19 of the book, the call for the church and its teachers and thinkers is to help Christians Christians dissect popular beliefs before allowing them to settle in their own ideology. Mm-hmm. And so I know in my own personal life, like you were saying, I think a lot of times I've really thought that I could just do it on my own. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've put I've put strength in in my or, or you know thought I had strength myself to accomplish these things, or I've looked to material possessions and status, and really I'm in a stage of life right now where I'm, I've kind of I kind of hit that. I was chasing the American dream. I was you know in the in a job in a career working for position and, and status and things like that, and you know the house and the car and the wife and the kids, and and not that any of those things are inherently bad. Um, but I was in a way and in the moment not even realizing that I was looking to a lot of those things and trying to achieve things myself to bring myself fulfillment. And really what it did was leave me um, enslaved. Yeah. And it, it, it left me um, you know, essentially 
kind of even anxious and depressed in some areas and, and really just not being free. And essentially that's what false news does is it is it it radically overpromises and it under delivers. And and the fruit yeah. of it is slavery rather than freedom. And 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 for the most you know, we it reminds me because we actually did a podcast way back when uh covid was going on we did those wednesday nights and there it should be on the podcast back in 2020 and i think it's called winds of doctrine and if you remember i don't know if you do but we actually went through postmodernism. we went through new age religion we went through marxism uh, we went through these different philosophies secularism that are being offered uh, to our world and, and kind of the false good news that they present to you because p- postmodernism is really a big mixture of everything but at the end of the day there is no absolute truth everybody just gets to live their own truth and i've heard people be interviewed about their their faith in jesus and they say well yeah jesus died on the cross for our sins but but that's just your truth and 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 you know ultimately everybody's going to be saved and and but i and and it's this adoption this big conglomeration of of really i'm my own god Mm -hmm. but you know what Thank God Jesus died for me just in case I need something to fall back on. Yeah. But as long as I'm in this world, Jesus is here to serve me and not me, Jesus. And Jesus is going to give me health, wealth, prosperity, and I get to have sex with whoever I want to when I want to. <laughs> and and he's going to bless my endeavors. And a lot of folks I don't think would say that out loud, but that's what they've adopted. That's exactly what, yeah. It. I mean, that, that is, that's the secular creed, and they mix Jesus in with it. And, and, that's, and that's kind of what it is. I get to do me. We're tolerant, and we don't we don't want to call anything sin because ultimately we believe that all people are good, even though the Bible teaches very specifically that none are good, no, not one. Yeah. What God's design is for good, and that's that's a hard place for people because the gospel actually doesn't sound like good news in the beginning because it says you're in need of a Savior, mm. that you are a sinner. And so that's the hard thing about the Christian gospel and the biblical gospel is that it doesn't appear to be good news in the beginning because there's this reality check that you are broken, that you are a sinner and you are enslaved to that sin. But the good news is, is that Jesus has come to save you. But see, the false news and false religions always offer, they say something's broken, something's messed up, and there needs to be a way uh, to get out of this. But the problem is, is that every other, every religion other than Christianity, Christianity, the solution is yourself. Mm. You save yourself. You do enough works to be saved. If you're in, in New Age religion, you 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 basically detach from your ego and and unify with with the divine. And there's a divine spark in in each one of us, and God is within us all. Well. In, in some measure, that's true, but the, the reality is biblically that God only lives in those spiritually who have been born again. And those who have not been born again and repented of their sin and put faith in Christ are still literally children of the evil one, right? They're, they're still under his control. Uh, and so, and so that's, that's a difficult thing for people to hear, and that's why it doesn't sound like good news in the beginning. But if you actually understand the reality of your condition, it's the best news ever yeah. because Jesus loves you enough to come and save you and give you new life. But, I mean, that's, that's what the demonic does is they try to give demonic doctrines and teachings that are constantly pulling you away from the truth that is in Christ and give you some sort of 
false news. And I think that's the thing, though. You get that secular salvation. It's just like, well, I've got my own thing going, and I hope that I hope that Jesus will bless this, my, my own success, my own self-fulfillment, power, wealth, sexuality, me doing whatever I want to do. Mm-hmm. And, and, but that's not what actually brings true freedom. And, and I guess, you know, the, now that I'm sitting here talking about it, when what led me to, the, to true freedom and the power of the Holy Spirit breaking things off in my life was first the law of God and the truth of God's word cutting me down to the bone so that I had a deep realization of my sinfulness before God. And there was a, there was a genuine conviction because it was at that point that I finally realized I need a Savior. Before that, you're just trying to be a good person. Yeah. You're just, and I think most Christians get it wrong because they think that Christianity is about their good works and them earning their way into heaven. But we're only saved by grace through faith. So the law of God brings us to a breaking point where we realize we cannot do it. We are utterly helpless. I cannot live a holy life, a pure life, a life that God's called me to live. And in that place of utter helplessness and hopelessness, we repent and we just we say, God, I need you. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit is poured out into our hearts. And the grace and mercy of God is poured out into our hearts and we experience his love in that moment like we never have before and that's where that's where salvation really comes in but anyway um yeah i think that's if you ask most christians you know i I would i would argue that probably a lot of them have have that in common in the sense of you know things really changed for them when they they got to a real place of conviction yeah and the pro i mean and that takes humility to to Mm -hmm. realize that you're wrong yeah, and that you're doing things wrong, and and that life you're leading is 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 going to end in destruction, and that's not a a happy place to be in. And and the, it, it, you've mentioned this, I th- I think in this past uh, Sunday's message, but we live in a day and time where essentially everyone is super full of themselves. Uh, we're extremely selfish people, and and admitting we're wrong and in need of a savior is a really hard place to get to. And so, you know. I just encourage everyone to. I mean, we have to. We have to take a place of humility. Yeah. And coming and, before Jesus. And nothing will humble you like just like just sitting down and reading the Bible for what it actually says. And and honestly, that's why I lean more and more every year toward just preaching verse by verse through the Bible because there's a lot of things that you would skip over yeah. if you don't go through it yourself. But it just it says things very straightforward. But it always, you have to go through a little bit of, of the bad news in order to get to the really good news. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot of what Scripture is. It's the brokenness of humanity, the sinfulness of humanity, but God's great love in, in that while we were sinners, mm-hmm. Christ has come and died in our place. And, and that's something that we really need to understand because if, if we believe that the gospel is just this word of, hey, we want to go out here and be nice to people, we missed it. Yeah. It's not about just being nice to people. It's about them understanding their, their, their condition. Even though I like niceness, I try to be nice when I can, but niceness is not the gospel. Yeah. And it's not going to win anybody to, to Jesus, and it's not going to help them n- know their need for salvation, yeah. so to speak. 
Um, but, but I think that's one of the problems is that everybody thinks they're good. You ask the average person, they say, I'm a good person. Will you go to heaven when you die? Yeah, I'll go to heaven when I die. Mm -hmm. But, and so we want them to understand that that judgment, you know, is, is, is coming for us all. And you can articulate that in a very loving way, obviously, but it's still the truth. And, and without Jesus, all of us are going to come into a judgment that's, that's not going to be favorable. So anyway, I think I think moving on, if we want to move on from that point just for a minute, he ends up talking, you know, about about the historical faith, and I thought that was important because one of the things that I say is, you know, I'm not personally one of the greatest things I did in my Christian life was read people throughout church history, what they believed, what did they believe, what you know, obviously you you have what the Apostle Paul and Peter and all these guys believe they wrote it, and we have scripture. But how did the guys in the year 100 that took up after them, uh, you know, how, how did they believe? How did they interpret Scripture and throughout history? So, so that I realized that Christianity is not something that I just get to make up. I don't get to have my own interpretation of the Bible, which is what a lot of people like to do nowadays. Uh, they like to say, well, you know, we don't, we don't listen to Paul. We, we only listen to Jesus. Well, no, that's not, that's not how that works. And, and, and. Furthermore, Paul and Jesus never contradict one another. Um, so, but the historical faith, one of the things that he lays out is, is the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, and they were actually written in their own time to establish their beliefs and combat heresy. They wanted to say, this is what we believe as a people. These are, these are non-negotiables that we cannot back up on. Because I think it's important, too, for the church to always realize these are things that we can differentiate on. Maybe we can have conversations around certain secondary issues, but the Apostles' Creed are things that we cannot back up on. If we are Christians, we have to believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He, he arose from the dead. He ascended into heaven was seated at the right hand of God the Father and from there he will come to judge the living and the dead and 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 you you read that you understand what it is right and we we believe in the in the communion of saints the the holy universal church the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the dead uh all of these things the life of the world to come but for me you know when I was a kid we were we were uh Catholic growing up and one of the things that you do as a Catholic is you memorize the Apostles' Creed. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, honestly, I would I would encourage you to, to, to memorize that and maybe even have your children memorize that. Put it somewhere, write it down, get familiar with it because that is, it's a foundational thing for why we believe, how we believe, you know, and, and, and it's, it's good to know those types of things. Yeah, for sure. And... And that can even, st you know, so, so you, the listener, um, in, in terms of, of practice, you know, think back through some of the things we've been saying. You know, when you hear the, the good news or when you hear the, hear the gospel, what do you think about? If, if you were to ask to share your faith and to share the gospel, what would you say? How would you say it? What, uh, what would you include? What would you not include? Um, if you have children at home, like Clay said, you know, Maybe we, we challenge you this week just to, to, to share the gospel with them, um, lay it out for them. And, and so 
these are practices and, and things that we, again, definitely need to think about. There are in the, the book on pages 20, 21, and then also on page 22, um, John Tyson, his church, also put a little paragraph thing in there as well. We encourage you to look at those and, like Clay was saying, even memorize some of those uh, because what we want to do um, is really we want to choose to move into a deep understanding of faith. We want to choose um, to lay solid foundations in our life when it comes to the gospel um, so that we can build our lives on it so that, that our lives reflect the life of Jesus and it's not just a surface-level uh, watered-down gospel that doesn't you know, um, show anybody anything and it looks just like the rest of the world. Um, so, yeah. And, and I guess that's a good a good point to, to close on is um, it, this really is good news. I yes. mean, I mean the gospel of Jesus Christ, because you, you look at our world, how broken it is. Uh, I mean, right now, honestly, you've got you one week, you've got a pandemic, everything shut down and then a new strain of virus. And I mean, something coming out all the time. Then you've got wars going on. Then you've got inflation and and economic issues and then floods happen and people lose everything and it's just like each week we're thinking what's what's the next catastrophe and then meanwhile literally in our world people are arguing about what is a woman it's something that's been abundantly clear for generations and there's all sorts of sexual questions and and just you turn on the television and you see things that just it seems like 10 or 20 years ago people would be ashamed to even to even watch but now it's just we call it entertainment Mm -hmm. and and i think um we just there's so many things going on you see the brokenness of of our world and jesus has come to fix the issue of sin he's come also to to give us a new heart to give us a new mind to fill us with the holy spirit because salvation is not so much about you going to heaven when you die as it is god revealing the kingdom of heaven now through our very lives he's giving us the holy spirit a new life and we're set free from this world systems and the way that the world thinks and and the truth uh, the lies that the world is trying to offer us that, that that we believe is going to bring us some form of satisfaction or joy or peace. None of those things are going to bring that. A deep relationship with God our Father through Jesus Christ, being filled with the Holy Spirit, living for His purpose, and understanding that we are citizens of heaven. Mm-hmm. We don't. We're, we're not part of this world. We're we're simply strangers and pilgrims passing through, but we are sent here on mission to reveal the kingdom of God until Jesus comes back and restores everything. So he's not just defeated sin, but he's defeated Satan who brings accusations against you and tries to keep you locked into bondage to sin and shame. And Jesus says, no, I'm breaking those chains and setting you free, but I'm also giving you the hope of eternal life, that this world in its broken state is not how I designed it to be. And I need you to understand that because I'm coming back and I'm going to renovate this thing, renew it and restore it. And and heaven and earth are going to become one. And if you believe in me, you can rule and reign with me for eternity. And so he defeated death. And that's the power of the resurrection. That's, you know, when Paul talked, when the apostle Paul talks about the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, that's basically how he lays it out. He said, I preached this gospel to you 
that you have received and now you still have taken your stand in this and by this gospel you are saved but he's saying you need to hold firmly to this that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day and in doing so he defeated sin, Satan, death and hell and he took the judgment from us and he's offered us eternal life and he's offered us to be in him filled with his spirit and live this new life. So, but you know, the gospel is huge. It's dynamic. There's there's a lot to it. But if we're talking about um, how do we communicate that, I think that's where we can close. Is is how would I communicate that to a friend? How would I sit down and mm-hmm. communicate that? And I think for me, the best way has always just been saying, giving my testimony of how how I read the scripture. I came to a realization that. By practice, it was clear that I was sinful and needed set free. And it brought me to a breaking point in my faith in Christ, pursuing Christ. Had an encounter, a conversion experience with Him. I was born again by the Spirit of God, filled with the Spirit. But that's, that's, that's the reality of it. We are all sinners, lost. We've all broken the law of God. Jesus came to die in our place. He was raised from the dead. But he was, a, he was a sinless man. He was God in the flesh taking our place. And then he just calls us to repent, turn from sin, believe in this truth, believe this good news that he's come to set us free from these things. And then we are saved by grace through faith in his finished work. And it's like a parachute because every single one of us are jumping off that plane. And it, the ones that believe in Jesus have the parachute. And that is salvation. And we'll get more, we'll get more into it as we go. But I think, I mean, I wouldn't just encourage people, you know, even this week, if you're listening, consider, as awkward as it may seem to you, consider how do I share the gospel with somebody? How do I sit down and have that conversation? The gospel itself is the power of God unto salvation. So no matter how weird you think you are, when you're sharing it with somebody or how awkward they may feel, it contains in it the power of God unto salvation so that when people hear it, it generates faith in their heart so that they can receive it and believe it. And when it's not spoken, Scripture says, how will they hear if someone doesn't preach it? Mm-hmm. And, and you can sit down and have that conversation and probably be as powerful or even more powerful than any preacher in a pulpit. Because yeah. uh, when you share that, you release the power of God unto salvation into people's lives. So consider sharing that with somebody. Pray about sharing that with somebody. And the other thing I would say is pray about sharing it with your kids. Do your kids even know what the gospel is? Or do they just think that Christianity and going to church is about being a good boy or a good girl? You know, we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. He makes us good boys and good girls. But that's not the gospel. And so you want to share that with them as well so that they're deeply aware of that. But I think we've probably went over time. Um, Is there anything else that you have on your mind with that, Jeremy? Yeah, I don't think so. Like you said, I mean, in a world so hungry for for deep, meaningful truth, um, this is such good news. And and a lot of this stuff is, you know, it can be challenging. Sometimes it's, it's weird to to pray with your family and to share the gospel with your family or your friends, but it's absolutely essential. And, and these practices talking about the, these things I help can, I, I think can really help us come to terms um, with what 
the true gospel really is and how it affects or should affect every single area of our life and the way we live. Um, But yeah, so just to recap, this has been uh, roughly, um, we've been been through essentially pages 1 through 23 in the book, and this covers really the first part of chapter 1 or uh, value number 1, which is gospel. Next week, we're going to continue further uh, and finish out the chapter in, uh, in the value gospel. But until then, until next time, we love you guys. We're praying for you. Um, be sure to send us any kind of questions or feedback, and we will talk to you next time.